Hello, it is a rare day, the 29th of February, birthday of footballer Darren Ambrose, American serial killer Aileen Wernos, and rapper Ja Rule, who's just been refused entry to the UK. So that's not a very nice birthday present, is it, for your once every four years birthday? I'm Andrew Harrison, here to distract you from leap year traditions like women proposing to men or cooking pig's trotters to bring the elderly good luck like they do in Taiwan. It's Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review. The Moaning Mail, the terror-stricken Telegraph, the expiring Express or the stupendous Star, we're here to praise them like we should or not. Big shout as ever to the new members of the Papercut Supporters Club. We're going to meet some of you at the end. We've been swamped with backers for Britain's brightest press complaints show. You are helping to keep us going in today's unforgiving business environment. It's a tough old world out there, so we do need you to help us keep us going. It costs as little as £3 plus VAT a month. And as well as the satisfaction of keeping funny, free-range media going, you get fancy mugs and T-shirts as well. Just visit back.papercutsshow.com or follow the link in the show notes. Now, what are the main stories for today's edition? Some of our royals are missing. Charles, William and Kate are all off the grid, some for very good reason, and the male is worried that you're not worried enough. You're giving us the heebie-jeebie news. The Barmy right-wing news channel is dragging the Tory party deeper into weirdness. And Bank of Mum and Dead. Hard-up millennials tell the Times they'll never own a home until their parents finally cark it. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, the podcast equivalent of hiring a church hall, filling a bath with chocolate yazoo, painting three dogs orange, and calling the whole thing the ultimate Willy Wonka experience. <laughs> Refunds are not available. I'm Andrew Harrison, and collecting your tokens today, it's comedian and Newcastle United fan who's practising how to spell Julian Nagelsmann, Fergus Craig. Hello, Fergus. Hi, guys. And making her Paper Cuts debut. Apparently some kind of leapier thing. We have debuts today. It's LBC broadcaster, campaigner on mental health, body image, gender inequality, and owner of a very high quality David Bowie Black Star lyrics tattoo, <laughs> Natasha Devon. Welcome, Natasha. Thank you very much. So what have we got on the front pages today? It's one of those days when the papers can't agree on the main story. What have you got on the broadsheets, Natasha? Well, the Times is still wanging on about Sunak conflating the very real problem of MP safety with the peace marches for Palestine. And he said that Britain is in danger of being overtaken by a mob rule. I just think there's such a massive irony, isn't there? A prime minister that no one voted for mm -hmm. complaining that people are peacefully marching for something that 66% of the population want, i.e. a ceasefire in Gaza, mm -hmm. doesn't seem very democratic to me. Yeah. But and also, it's quite interesting that we've had a lot of legislation limiting protest, the most repressive process legislation we've had. And now they want more. Yeah. And I think that they're capitalising on the annoyance that some people feel about various protests and trying to weaponise mm -hmm. that to, to pull these changes through. There's also there's an interesting opinion piece, which I know that we will be talking about a bit later, about millennials set to be the richest generation because they're going to inherit their parents' wealth and some stuff about Prince Harry, which... I mean, do we care? Probably not. Well, there's no picture of Megan, so you're very annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> there's a great picture of Megan on the front of the mirror, which made you, you, you let out a little sigh. I did. I, you know, if you're going to talk about Prince Harry, all I ask, just print a picture of Megan so that I can gaze upon her lovely face. Okay. Don't think it's much to ask. Fair enough. Um, Hunt looks at ditching non-dom perk. That's what the Daily Telegraph leads with. Jeremy Hunt's in a little bit of a 
tricky position because he spent the past couple of years saying that ditching perks for non-doms is a bad idea because mm. Labour said it was going to do it. But he's now realised that this like looks like the only way he's going to be able to usher in these tax cuts that he's been promising furiously yes. to anyone that will listen, despite the fact that the nation doesn't really want them. Uh, the Guardian, they are saying the largest review of ultra-processed food warns of 32 damaging effects on both physical and mental health. And cereals are part of this picture, apparently. They're, mm. they're bad for you. The average person, about 50% of their diet, average British person, is highly processed foods. And if that person is living in poverty, that goes up to 80%. Mm. So is that cereals kind of including sort of super sugared things and, you know, chocolate flavoured everything for breakfast? I think it's, I mean, you don't find a cornflake in nature, do you? No, so. you certainly don't. <laughs> Running wild and free across the hills. No. <laughs> Fergus, give us the tabloids. Uh, the Sun, I have. They have the story that Jerry Halliwell's husband, who, if you didn't know, is the F1 boss, Christian Horner, he has been cleared of sending improper messages to female employees. It's yeah. a big stretch to put on the front page, isn't it? It's like the Sun's, this is the Sun's news avoidance tactic as, the, as it gets worse and worse for the Conservative Party. Yes, the top is joy at Horner ver verdict. F1 hubby chief cleared over improper texts. There is no happier day in a woman's life than the day her husband is cleared over improper texts. <laughs> uh, the headline is Jerry's relieved and elated. Uh, they also have at the top, which they see, it seems like they have it every day at the top of the sun, uh, holes from £9.50. And it just occurred to me, I would love another newspaper at some point to do an investigation into those £9.50 holidays. Yes. Do they really exist? Is it actually £9.50? And if you go on one, what is that like? I booked a £9.50 holiday and it was in a phone box on the world. That kind of thing. <laughs> that kind of thing. I think that would be a good Guardian feature. It wouldn't would, it? wouldn't it? What's the mail got? The Daily Mail has PM tells police chiefs time to end mob rule. Uh, this is about the protests that have been going on. And Rishi Sunak is trying to get the police to clamp down on them. And also the headline uh, with a picture of Wills and Kate, what is going on with the royals? And we'll be talking about that soon, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, the Daily Mirror has a picture of Rachel Reeves and the statement, never had it so bad. Uh, the Tories have smashed the windows, broken the door and are now burning the house down. We'll inherit the worst situation since the war. Cheery stuff. And the Daily Star has the story that the £3 million a year boss of Kellogg's has told uh, those people who are struggling with the cost of, cost of living crisis that they could save a few quid by eating cereal for dinner. Dinner! Uh, the headline is, let them eat flakes. Speaking of stories that are gripping the nation, the mail has a classic of its Inuaden-laden genre on the front page. What is going on with the royals? The mystery disappearance of Kate Middleton, King Charles's cancer, Prince Andrew popping up again for some reason, William mysteriously absent, writer Richard Kay is having a great time leaning over the virtual garden fence, and inside on pages six and seven, the headline is, Never in memory have the royals had so much trouble at once, if not yet a crisis, it's getting perilously close. Natasha, what's going on? So the editor at large, Richard Kay, is really annoyed that people apparently aren't sufficiently familiar with royal etiquette. And they thought because Prince Andrew was walking at the front of the memorial service yesterday, that that meant he was leading the memorial service, mm -hmm. when apparently any idiot knows that actually the people who are leading are at the back. I don't get that. 
I don't get that. But he begins with, let's get one thing straight. I, it, it, it feels quite spittle-flecked, yes. this, this first paragraph here. Then goes on to, to talk about the fact that there was some kind of discussion of Prince Harry picking up the slack while Charles is... Uh, battling cancer and that that doesn't seem to have happened and that this new kind of slimmed down monarchy is struggling because of the various health Mm. issues. And then there's this speculation about the Princess of Wales, Catherine. Where is she? Where has she gone? And most of it's coming from social media. You know, Mm. a lot of people on social media are obsessed with this kind of thing. But I don't know about you. I, I don't wake up in the morning and think, where is Kate Middleton right now? I barely think about the royal family at all, but <laughs> it's a huge engine room for certainly for the mail, but also for most of the, you know, certainly the tabloids and, and most of the broadsheets will have continual rolling royal coverage, as we know, which is baffling to those of us who are not interested. And you would think that after what happened to Princess Diana and, and what's happened with Meghan and Harry, people would understand that treating the royal family as though they are a soap opera mm. rarely ends well. And there's some quite interesting thoughts on whether we have a right to know about their health status at any given time. I don't think we do. I mean, to be fair, in actual soap operas, characters do disappear for months on end and then come back, sometimes played by different people. Mm. By the standards of this stuff, it is quite a thorough piece. He actually does go into historical precedent, accepted etiquette that goes on in this, this the weird rules of this world. There is a huge question mark. I mean, we know why, why King Charles is, is off the pitch at the moment. He's very ill. Mm. We have a vague idea why the Princess of Wales is not to be seen. She's recovering from an operation. But we don't know where Prince William is or why he's absent. Is there anything in here that gives us an idea? Well, there is a mention of a previous headline that was run, certainly in the Mail Online, I don't know if it was in the actual paper, that was kind of praising William for stepping up to the plate and doing just the basic minimum that someone's partner should do, Mm. i.e., you know, looking after his kids. Hero man drives to hospital (laughs) while wife ill, pages 8 to 20. Yeah, so that's probably what he's doing, and fair enough. Mm. Fergus, they must be on their uppers if they're wheeling out non-sweaty Prince Andrew at this stage, though, a man who's supposed to be absolutely, you know, flung out to the fringes and anathematised. He's all they've got left. Um, The Daily Mail, for years now, what is it, every other day, maybe more often than that, there'll be a picture of Kate. Yeah. On the front page. And the story will be, isn't she lovely? Isn't she lovely? Because she represents everything that they aspire to, right? She's the perfect woman in the Daily Mail mm. world. She's non-threateningly pretty, mm. always smiles, dresses nicely, jolly hockey sticks. Yeah, likes to be that. photographed in a kitchen, doing kitcheny things. And so much of the Daily Mail world is based around the royal family representing Britain and what an important part it is of our society and constitution and everything. But actually what's sort of been revealed is that once Kate disappears, once you can't have fresh photos of her on the front page every other day, it all falls apart. Mm. There's nothing there. Yeah, That's all it is. It's like people who like James Bond... And we'll go on and on about like why James Bond is better than anything else. But if you take away the car chases and the misogyny, yeah. th- th- there's nothing there. It's just a desperate alcoholic man looking for validation <laughs> through violence. Hi, I'm Katie Riley. On the slow newscast from Tortoise, Donald Trump became the first former U.S. president in history to face a criminal trial. 
The defendant repeatedly made false statements on New York business records. This is not a trial. This is not a, an act of criminality. We cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. This is the story of his first week in court told through the transcripts. Listen now to the Slow Newscast wherever you get your podcasts. Now, the headlines, the best bit of the paper. Amazing puns, haiku-like clarity, clever pirouettes of language, or just stuff that's plain weird. What do the unsung heroes of the subbing desk, the people who write all these headlines, have for us today? And will any of them be as good as the Brighton Argus's legendary Council Calls in Councillors to Council Councillors? Good stuff. Fergus, what have you got? <laughs> I'm only just seeing this story for the first time. And finding it genuinely hilarious. It's your standard story that the face of Freddie Mercury has been found in the fur of a cat. <laughs> um, you know, that's pretty standard tabloid fare. I, I cannot see. Look at that. Well, this I is cannot sun, see Freddie right? Mercury's face. Let's have a, let's have a bit of uh, the, the audible sound of papers being looked at. This is the sun, page 23. And a cat has got a kind of marking on its left leg that looks a little tiny bit like Freddie Mercury. Does it? I can't see it at it all. Well, I, I take my glasses off, it sort of does. And the intro is Don't Stop Meow, the face <laughs> of Freddie Mercury is seen in the fur of a tabby cat. But take us to the headline. And The, the headline is Freddie Mercury. Excellent stuff. That's, that's what you would call a cat with a Freddie Mercury marking. That sings of a story of someone who's just thought, I've just thought of a brilliant pun. <laughs> Go find me a cat with Freddie Mercury in their fur. They found us. They've got a spare pun as well. I mean, what's the cat saying? The cat is saying, I'm just a poor boy from a poor family. That's what we want, isn't it? Come on. In, in today's miserable world. What else has the sun got? On page 43. Sun business. Yes. They had the story that the wheels came off Halfords yesterday. Uh, after a profit warning, and uh, the headline is Cycle Killer. You've got a feel for the business guys trying to crank something out of some very dry profit reports. And everything else is in the star, <laughs> is it? They've kind of done a clean sweep today. Uh, yeah, the star has done well. Um, a veteran striker, Mike Fisher, is still banging in the goals at 90. They've got a, uh, a picture of some old men playing football. And uh, the headline is Goal, and you can imagine how goal was spelled. Golden oldie. There you go. Comma 90. Not bad at all. Natasha, you've got more from the star. What have we got here? So uh, apparently the modern Cockney is now multicultural and doesn't have to live in London, according to the Daily Star. The old qualification that you had to be born within the sound of Bow Bells no longer applies. Don't really know what they're basing this on. I don't think they know either. But the headline is, what a North and South. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a... A story in the Star about uh, terrified villagers are making bombs from ping pong balls to ward off rampaging elephants. Uh, it, where is this? It's in Thailand. In Thailand, it's yeah. not Chessington World of Adventures. No, we then, don't. Yeah. We don't need to worry too unduly. Okay. Uh, but the the headline is Killer Nelly Ping Pong Ding Dong. I, I quite like that for the strange kind of like avant garde Cubist poetry. Obviously, <laughs> well done, the Star. And then. Again, from the star, proud to love animals. <laughs> there is a story 
It's about a dog that looks like Dolly Parton. But can I just say that this dog doesn't look like Dolly Parton? It looks a bit like Dolly Parton. The dog is wearing a jewel-encrusted bustier and trouser combo and has on a Parton-style wig. Okay. Therefore, it looks like Dolly Parton. But if I saw this dog being walked in the street mm. without these accoutrements, I would not go... Fuck me! As a dog that looks like Dolly Parton. <laughs> that's that's true. It's because more of a it's more of a dog cosplay, isn't it? Really, it's just a dog. It's <laughs> what's that like? <laughs> it's just a dog. It's just a dog. <laughs> this is what they shout across the Star Newsroom. It's just a dog. It's just a dog. Just a dog. Uh, but the headline is Doggy Parton. GB News is in the news, hence the name, with stories of both The Guardian and The Eye, two liberal wokester rags who've got it in for real Britain. The Guardian has, GB News has paid Tory MPs more than £660,000 in appearance fees and salaries. And The Eye has Spectator political editor Casey Balls writing that GB News is pushing the Tory party to the right. In The Guardian, it's reported that Lee Anderson got £100,000 from GB News, Rhys Mogg got £325,000, Esther McVeigh and her husband Philip Davis split about £200,000 between them, and if you're a Labour MP, you got 1100 quid between you. So, fair and balanced on GB News. Natasha, what... what Tell us about this. What does it mean? Why is it a problem? It just seems to be that the Conservative Party has its own little in-house TV channel funded by a very wealthy hedge fund guy. Well, there's two problems, really. I, I think, first of all, it's that increasingly many Tory MPs are refusing to appear on other outlets. Mm. So they go on GB News to have their tummy tickled, and then they think that that represents balance somehow. Mm. Meanwhile, we have the, the Secretary of State for culture saying that the BBC needs to be investigated for its bias, where, as you can see in this investigation that's been done by The Guardian, you've got far more Tory MPs appearing on this station than anybody from the And left being wing. interviewed by Tory MPs. Being so interviewed, it's, yeah. The snake has eaten its own tail and it's a kind of like perfect closed loop of its own terms of reference. Exactly. So it's, it's becoming its own echo chamber. But then as Katie Balls points out in The Eye, the other problem is that because of the model of GB News insofar as it's only got a handful of viewers, as far as I can work out, that actually watch it live. But where it's getting the interaction and the engagement is on social media. And that's as much liberal people going, can you believe what is being mm -hmm. said and sharing it, as it is people who agree with it. What that's doing then is incentivizing the people who appear on GB News to be as outrageous as possible. So you have this merging of politics and entertainment, which is then pushing the party to the fringes of the right wing because they're trying to be shocking with the things that they say. And Katie Ball speculates that this could lead to the new leader of the Conservatives being someone hideous. Maybe the best way to deal with it is to stop talking about it. I am often persuaded by the argument that people like me, and I've been guilty of it, need to stop quote tweeting yeah. Jacob Rees-Mogg saying something stupid on GB News. Mm. Like we need to just shut up about it and just leave them to it. But that doesn't that then create a situation like you've got in America where you've got basically the right wing TV viewer for whom Fox News is now too woke. Right, they want to watch one American news and Turner news. It's all completely self-contained. It's not just an echo chamber, it's a sealed chamber. They never get challenged on what they say. But, Andrew, what's wrong with 
the way things are going in the United States. Yeah. It's going great, isn't it? It's fine, isn't it? The Times has the latest in a semi-regular series on generational wealth. It's flagged on the cover with the line, my generation will be rich, that's a joke. It's about a new report which claims that hard-up millennials will one day be the wealthiest generation in history thanks to inheritance. And their writer, Harriet Walker, says, really? Um, Fergus, this is a report from the estate agency Knight Frank, so it's, it, it's all about property. Uh, talk us through it. What's happening here? Uh, yes, uh, apparently the millennials are about to be the richest generation ever. But yeah, it's all simply because they're going to inherit the boomers' money. But which begs the question: What about those of us who stand to inherit nothing? Yes. How is this put together as a report? Because we we've got some vox pops here of uh, said hard up millennials, um, which. They, they don't look that hard up to me. You know, we've got some Isolders and there's a lot of double-barrel surnames on the go here. Yes, they've spoken to a small collection of millennials, all of whom who have managed to purchase a flat or something uh, thanks to uh, some money from the bank of mum and dad. Uh, but, you know, that, I mean, if these people are struggling, then uh, there are lots of people who will be struggling a lot more. What I'd like to see is massive inheritance tax. Well, this is interesting. And then spread it around. And and maybe I only say that because I know I'm not going to inherit anything. This is interesting because a lot of the right-wing press has been absolutely banging on about the hated inheritance tax. And it's now agreed that the inheritance tax must be cut or must go. This is kind of a constant thing in the Telegraph and and in the Mail. And the the Times, to its credit, has not really participated in that apart from a few few columnists. Natasha, what what did you think of this story? Has has Harry got a fair point here? I mean, it's worth noting that inheritance tax, because of the thresholds, it only affects 4% of the population. Mm -hmm. So... The Telegraph et al. are clearly coming out to swing for a very certain demographic. Um, Harriet, she just stops short of lamenting the fact that boomers are living longer than ever, more likely to take care of their health. And there's been advancements in healthcare and technology. She describes her mum, I think, as bordering on bionic because she's had so many joint replacements. So she describes millennials as kind of like a generation of Prince Charles's who are waiting (laughs) to... Waiting for the mum to die, yeah. Waiting. Um, But it obviously comes at a terrible cost. And I think the conclusion that she reaches is that none of this really helps millennials now, many of whom are struggling with the exorbitant cost of not only rent, but also childcare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what it doesn't get into is why are houses so expensive? Because there aren't enough of them. And again, to be fair to the Times, they have done an awful lot on the failure to build houses. It's not, it doesn't take the male approach of, uh, you know, we must drive up the value of houses because that's what keeps our, our readers wealthy. And, you know, they take an extremely nimby approach to house building and then wonder why their kids can't get on, on the housing ladder. Yeah, it's it just, th- this Times piece is kind of outlining the problem, but in less of a straightforward way than you Mm. just did. And they do say, you know, boomers were the last generation who could afford, really, to own property. Fergus, in The Guardian, you spotted something in the great tradition of let's make the writer do something stupid. The documentary prankster Uber Butler follows Yoko Ono's advice to the letter for a day. Tell us about this. 
yes, the piece has a good headline. Yoko, do I really have to smoke my pubic hair? <laughs> I would suggest you don't have to, but... You may choose to. You may choose to if you're doing a Guardian feature. Um, yes, there's a Yoko Ono exhibition at the Tate Modern at the moment. And it's a sort of uh, retrospective on uh, a book that she wrote in 1964 called Grapefruit. It contains 200 sets of instructions composed between 1953 and 1964. And these are basically sort of uh, weird, absurdist, uh, arty things uh, that it was suggesting that people might do. So they were, I guess, in the doing of it, you experience art. Um, <laughs> so Uber Butler did a few of them. Uh, one of her uh, suggestions was that um, uh, hire a plane, invite everybody, ask them to write a will to you before boarding. That was one of That's her... Cheap. That Can was afford to do that? Yes, that was one of her instructions. I was thinking, how have you got Does the budget Does he just go to the airport piece? and it costs some people? Yes, he just goes to the airport and amazingly persuades a guy who's about to get on the plane to sign a will that says if he does die in a, a plane crash that he will give everything he earns to Uber Butler. Okay. And yes, there's also a suggestion that you should uh, smoke everything you can, including your pubic hair. So he does that. He says uh, he he put his um, pinches of freshly, freshly snipped pubic hair. He took out a lighter and set the mound ablaze. Immediately the smoke hits the back of my throat and burns. I cough and feel about to retch. Smoke billows out of my mouth. Smoke from my pubic hair <laughs> in italics. The reality of what I've actually just done hits me hard. The joke is on me, isn't it? Hmm. I love the fact that... It apparently takes a Guardian investigation to prove that smoking your own pubic hair is really quite acrid and disgusting. Yeah, vaping it would be all right. Big <laughs> modern, you know, better than the watermelon flavour, I presume. I won't believe it until I try it. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thank you, Natasha. Did you enjoy your debut? I did very much. Thank you for having me. Well, please come back. Please come back. And thank you, Fergus. What are you going to do for Leap Day? Stand around waiting to be uh, proposed to you by somebody? Yes, please. I will be at Oxford Circus from from, uh, 1pm till 4pm accepting offers of marriage. Looking winsome. (laughs) Uh, And of course, it's shout time to our loyal supporters club members, the feared and ruthless intercity firm of podcast listeners. You too could join them and keep us going and in rude health. Just follow the link in the show notes or go to back.papercutsshow.com. Yes, uh, hello and thank you for financing one packet of luxury magic markers to Kathy Hurst and Helen Palmer. And also thank you for having the two easiest names I've had to read so far <laughs> in this segment of yes, the podcast. Yes, the big new Brzezinski has yet to cough up the money. <laughs> Huge thanks for chipping in to fund a week's worth of The Star, Proud to Love Animals, to Alastair Rose and Christine Hoare. And hello, many thanks, and please don't steal my denny money, to Stuart Carter and Isabel Vogel. I've been Andrew Harrison and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when The Guardian has revealed the first photo of two humpback whales having sex. Both whales are male, the ocean is diverse, hump by name, hump by nature. We hope they enjoyed their Netflix and krill. See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts was written and presented by Podmasters Group Editor Andrew Harrison with Natasha Devon and Fergus Craig. 
The producer was Liam Tate, with assistant production by Adam Wright. Music and audio production was by me, Simon Williams, and socials were by Kieran Leslie. The managing editor was Jacob Jarvis, and the executive producer was Martin Boytosh. Papercuts is a Podmasters production. <laughs> <laughs>